Good morning, church family. Great job, choir. Good job, Jeff. This is like coming home. I'll tell you what. Matter of fact, I just have to tell y'all, the last 14 years, I think, it's inevitable somebody at Christmas time always asks me the question, so are you going home to Selma for Christmas? I'm like, I'm not from Selma. Um, I kind of wish I was, though. Every time I come back, I'm like, and I kid you not, you guys, y'all don't change. Are, do y'all drink formaldehyde or something? I don't, y'all are well-preserved here. I don't know what it is, but y'all all look the same. But it is, it's great to be here, great to be with you. It really is like uh, coming home. And uh, matter of fact, as we were singing and worshiping, I was sitting there thinking, one of the biggest lessons I learned here in Selma was as a student pastor, when, you know, at the end of the service, usually the student pastor, there's ministers down front, I learned here in Selma, don't ever look in the balcony because you're supposed to stand down front and you're supposed to look solemn, hoping somebody's going to walk forward. It's a very serious moment, right? So I look up. One day I had a weak moment. My eyes drifted up, looked in the balcony. There's one of my girls up there waving like crazy. She was like, mm. And I'm like, mm. Trying to remain. So a moment ago, I'm like, I'm just going to look in the balcony. Allie, thank you. I see one of my kids up there. Allie's like, <laughs> I'm like, see, see, Selma, don't look in the balcony when you don't need to look in the balcony. Well, this morning, um, we are going to be in the book of Genesis because obviously we're talking about Jesus. So, of course, we're going to start off in the book of Genesis. Um, one of, the, one of the, the stories, before we get to the, the manger scene, we've got to go all the way back to the beginning. And when God was calling me to this church, uh, this was 2005. I remember, uh, clearly remember, driving to Selma and, and just praying, Lord, is this, really, is this really what you want me to do? Coming from uh, the little church, Corinth Baptist, on the corner of Buttermilk and Gardner's Gin, which was a cotton gin in Cordova, Alabama. It doesn't get much more country than that, at least I thought, until I moved to just off of Possum Trot Road and Slap Out. Uh, it does get more country than Gardner's Gin and Buttermilk. But anyway, I came here and I was just praying through, God, is this really what you want me to do uh, for this next season of ministry? And, and he brought me to Abraham's story. So I drove through Selma, looked around, uh, saw the church building, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like... Are, is this Catholic? I know we got that question a lot because just the way the place looked. And so then I remember I went on my way back to Jasper, headed north. I pulled over at a little park. There was a, a pond, and I just sat there at a picnic table reading through Abraham's story. Because I don't know about y'all, but there are certain characters in Scripture. There are certain men and women that when you read their story, you see their obedience or lack thereof. And you see their character, and you see how God calls them, God uses them, but also in the middle of it all, how God shapes and molds them. And for me, Abraham is one of those people. Because Abraham, I mean, it, you know, when we're kids, we hear Father Abraham had many sons and all that good stuff, and we think that Abraham, God spoke to Abraham, and boom. Well, he's just a faith father, and he never messed up. That's not the case. 
So I was really inspired by Abraham's story because he went from his father's land, from his father's household, and God told him, I want you to leave all of that stuff behind, and I want you to go to a place that I'll tell you about later. And by the way, you're going to have a bunch of kids. All right, at this point, they were like 65 and 75. He and Sarah were like 65 and 75. 75 years old, and he's going to father a child. 65 years old, and she's going to give birth to a child. I mean, what's, what is our response to that? Yeah, good luck. Congratulations. All right, so would anybody in the room like to admit that they are 75 right now? Anybody just raise your hand. Who's 75? I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Any, there's one right there. We have any, there's one in the back. Back row. I, I see you back there. 75 years old, congratulations, you're going to be a brand new parent. How does that make you feel? I know some of you are like, oh no, I didn't come to church today for that load. (laughs) No thanks. Uh, I had to look it up. Today, uh, one of the celebrities who is 75 years old, Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right, he's 75. That's kind of a shock. The Terminator uh, is, is now 75 years old. Could you imagine him having, you know, fathering a child? So, That is Abraham and Sarah's beginning story at 65 and 75 years of age. God calls them into his service. So real quick, because we're going to walk through a couple of episodes in his story just to see how God uses this story to bring about the manger scene, to bring about the birth of Christ, to bring about the Messiah And he would bless all nations for all time. All his descendants and all the people of the world would be blessed through Abraham. So we know that Abraham was called. And eventually God would change his name and Sarah's name. There was this covenant that God would establish through Abraham and Sarah. And through their son, Isaac. But along the way, before Isaac came along, there was the story of Ishmael. Because it was like 25 years when God first said, I want you to leave your father's house, you're going to have a kid. And he's like, all right, so for 25 years they're waiting, like, is now the time? Are we there yet? It's kind of like with students, every time you go somewhere, are we there yet? Are we there yet? So they're always looking to the Lord and they're like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Well, here's another thing I learned from Abraham's life. Now this is for all the guys. Now last weekend I got to come back and do a wedding for Lindsay Kelly and Andrew, and I almost gave him this piece of advice, but I thought, no, I'm just going to save this. Here's something I learned by reading this story. When Abraham and Sarah were having this conversation about, is it time yet to have our son, and and evidently it wasn't, they said, look, maybe you should have a child with Hagar. It was the, the servant. Have a child with Hagar. So Sarah was like, do this, okay? Have a a child. Maybe this is the way we can go ahead and speed this process up. Well, when Hagar became pregnant, Scripture says that she looked at Sarah with contempt. And she was like so mad at her. I mean, obviously, she's pregnant, you know? And so she's like really ticked at Sarah. Abraham was so smart because Sarah then looks at Abraham and says, this is your fault. All this is your fault. Every bit of this is on you, honey. And so, I mean, as I read that story, you know what my first thought is? Like, I'm already, like, defending myself. Like, yeah, lady, it was, it, this was your idea. This was all you, sugar, okay? Princess, which is what her name literally meant, 
Princess, this was your idea. You know what he said? He's a smart man. Men in the church, do you want to guess what he said? Yes, dear. That's, that's, hey, whatever you say, sweetie, you're right. So here's what I learned, guys, especially if you're under the age of 50. Write this down. Men, we're always wrong, okay? Let's just remember that. We're always wrong. So if you ever get into an argument, just don't, don't argue. Are you all okay with that lesson? Johnny, are you okay with that lesson? Write it down, buddy. Okay, I know it's been a while since I taught you anything, so write that one down. So, walking through Abraham's story, we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 12. And so, I hope and pray, I have literally prayed that this church today would hear the story of Abraham and how we have benefited from it, but you would be inspired by his obedience. So, here's point number one in Genesis chapter 12, just simply obey the Lord. Genesis chapter 12, we'll start in verse 1. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land that I will show you. And so here's the the covenant that God initiated. He said, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Verse 4. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. Abram was 75 years old. And so after that, you start to see how his faith began to to shine, but also how it began to falter. So you see that he lied about who Sarah was along the journey. We don't have time to go through all the story, but there's a couple of times where he calls Sarah his sister instead of his wife. He lies about her identity. He also questions, how can I know that I will gain this land that you've promised that you would give us. And he had Ishmael with Hagar trying to circumvent the Lord's will. And then they laughed at God. She laughed at God when he told her that she would have a kid. When she's 90, he's 100. So I can understand. Can anybody else in this room understand and identify with the faith of Abraham? That there's times when you know clearly, I firmly believe God has called me to, to do something or to be a man or woman of godly character and integrity. But then after you, you, you hear that, maybe it's in a, a quiet time or maybe it's in a service, it's in a sermon or a song, and, and you're thinking, I know God, I hear you loud and clear. I hear what you want me to do or who you want me to be. And my answer is yes. And then you set foot out of your house or out of that church. And immediately you start thinking, ah, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe I didn't quite hear the Lord correctly. Anybody else with me on that? Like you really begin to question yourself. You're not necessarily questioning God, but you're questioning yourself and your own devotion to Him. And that's what Abraham was doing. He was questioning everything. But here's what God was doing. He was setting the scene for an impossible situation. God was setting up something that made perfect nonsense. All right, notice this. God has patterns in Scripture. This is one of those patterns that any time God sets up an impossible situation that people cannot overcome on their own power, on their own wisdom, God's people, when they can't do whatever it is God wants them to do, who do they have to rely on? 
Obviously, they have to rely on God. So when they rely on God fully, who gets all the credit for the good ending of the story? The person or God? This is not Sunday school. This is not a trick question, okay? Are y'all with me? Go ahead and say his name, Jesus. It's like Sunday school. I know. I know how y'all are. Jesus. Everything, every question in Sunday school, Jesus. Who parted the waters? Don't say Jesus. All right. So obviously, when there's an impossible situation, God gets the credit when this takes place. He has just called two senior adults to plant a nation, to birth a nation. Okay? Does that make sense to anybody? No. I would pick, if I were the Lord, to plant a nation, to start a nation, I would probably pick a couple of college kids. I would pick someone much younger. Okay? Remember Jericho? Remember the whole story of Jericho? When they were going to take over Jericho, they wanted those walls to come down. Did they send in the football team? Did they send in their biggest, best players? No. God said, give me the band. Matter of fact, don't give me the band. Give me just the trumpet players. Does that make sense? No. All right, if you're a trumpet player, you got power. Congratulations. Okay? The walls came down. It was successful, and only the Lord could get credit. All right, fast forward. God is going to send his one son into the world to be the savior of the world. Who would you trust to raise, to birth and raise that child? Would you choose an inexperienced virgin girl? No, probably not. In Decatur, I served with a family. They had 13 kids, 13 biological kids. I'm like, y'all got to get a different hobby. My Lord. I would pick her. Her name is Mary Jo Radosevich. I would have chosen Mary Jo Radosevich. She was a professional mother, okay? She knew how to birth them and raise them. Praise the Lord. That's who I would have chosen, but no, not the Lord. The Lord said, give me someone who is humble, who is inexperienced, and who will just listen to my voice and do what I say. That's God's perfect nonsense. And so in this case, God's plans rarely make sense to us on the front end. And so when he says, I'm going to start a nation, I'm going to choose two senior adults. And when it happens, then only God gets credit for it. So if you look over, I love how this happens in Genesis 18 when it's about to happen. So now they've been traveling with the Lord for 20-something years. And then the Lord revisits them. And in Genesis 18, 14, he says this. When God tells them again, they're about to have a kid at age 90 and 100, Sarah laughed. And God simply called her out on it. If you notice, her name, Sarah, went from Sarai to Sarah with an H. Sarai means princess with a little p. So that means like, oh, that sweet princess. You know, so, you know, a little, little kid, you're patting him on the head. You know, oh, you're so cute, princess, whatever. But Sarah was princess with a capital P, which meant royalty, which meant, no, she's not just little princess. She's in the lineage of royalty and has power and has some authority in this. And so in this case, when God tells her at 90, Get ready. You're about to birth a kid. She laughs. And, she, and then the Lord says, hey, I saw you laughing. And what does she do? Lives up to her name. She's like, I didn't laugh. I did not laugh. The Lord said, princess, I saw you. You were laughing. And that's how we are sometimes. We forget that God is a God of the impossible. And I'll tell you personally, 
when I first came into Selma and I saw just the structure of this building and I saw the, 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 the community in the city, I thought, God, surely you're not calling me here. God's a God of the impossible. And I am forever grateful that he called me here. Because some of my, I, I tell more stories about Selma than probably anywhere else. And you'd think I was here for 25 years. I was here for three. But three years of stories in Selma is worth a lifetime. I'm telling you right now. Can I get an amen on that? We'll have counseling later. But God is a God of the impossible. So we are called to obey. So that, to me, is kind of the easy part of this message. Here's the hard part. Before God fulfilled the covenant, fulfilled his promise to Abraham and Sarah, here are his words that we read earlier. Genesis 17. And the reason that we're going back to Genesis 17 is for every person in this room, every person who is listening or watching this message. We are all called to do great things to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our families, to our community, to our state, and to this world. And sometimes we think, well, that's Abraham's story. I can't do that. Well, fine, but you can do whatever God's called you to do. You personally have a responsibility. If you're following Jesus, if you've said yes to making him the Lord and Savior of your life, it is never too late. And you are never too far gone or never too far removed from the grace and the love of Jesus to say yes again. Because I want you to hear the words of God to Abraham and Sarah after they've been walking 25 years when they said, yes, Lord, we'll follow you. They left everything behind. And here's what God had to say to them after they have gone through doubting phase and had Ishmael. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully, which means live in my presence and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and I will greatly increase your numbers. And at this, when you hear from the Lord, what should our response be? Abram's response was to fall face down in front, of the, in front of the Lord. And God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. and Kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant with an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Real quick, let me just pause and say, church, it's not just about Abraham and Sarah. Their obedience was for the future generations. It was about God's plan being accomplished, not just in their day, but in our day also. Verse 8, the whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Do you see what God just did? God simply called Abraham back to personal righteousness before any part of this covenant was to be solidified. Before his son was to be born to him, that was promised 25 years earlier, God said, you guys need to repent. And you need to walk blameless before me. And church family, I would simply 
put before us all as I walked through this message again this week. I had to ask myself this question before I got in this pulpit to ask you this question. We all want the blessings of God, do we not? We all want to see the Lord move in our life and in our family and our community and in our church. But it starts right here, asking the question, if I'm following the Lord with my heart, where do I need to repent today? What thing is in my life right now that is hindering my worship of the Lord, my, commune, my, my communing with the Lord, with me being, being able to just simply talk and worship with the Lord? What is in between me and Him right now? That if I were in His presence and just simply said, Lord, how are we doing? God would say, here's what you need to do. The things that you need to repent of. Church family, what is it right now? What is it that is in your life? If you're following Jesus, what do you simply need to repent of today? Before you take that next step, that next part of your journey with the Lord. Be like Abraham. And hear the words of God. Answer this question. Walk blamelessly. Live in my presence without fear. Live in my presence without guilt. And this is not just for salvation, but this is for us as a church family. This is for us who are following the Lord, that we follow Him in a way that is daily. We take up that cross and we follow after Him. This is part of what we do for our own walk with Christ. And so I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to finish with this, and y'all know what that means. That's preacher talk for i got 20 more minutes, even when the radio shuts off. So here's what I'm going to finish with. The other part of this is that God told him, you, before we fulfill this covenant, you need to walk blamelessly in my presence. But he said that this will also benefit future generations. If there's one thing I know about this church family, now we're going to get real personal. We're going to get up all up in your grill. We're going to get up in the pews here now. One thing I know about this church This church is phenomenal at sharing stories. Trust me, I had to listen to all of them going to Mississippi one time on a mission trip. Okay, for like three or four hours, we told stories. And they were good stories. They were, well, some of them you can't repeat, but some of them were really funny, okay? That's one thing I know about this church family. You love well, and you share well. For the sake of the next generation, to the church family who's been around for a little bit, let me ask, your level of obedience to the Lord, is it setting the next generation up for success, for biblical, God-honoring success? Because that's what we've been called to. That's what Abraham was called to. That they would fulfill this covenant with the Lord, that they would walk in obedience, and that this covenant would then successfully set up the next generation. And y'all, we are part of that generation. We are a direct descendant of Abraham, spiritually speaking. Paul says that in the book of Romans. Today, we celebrate Christmas because Jesus Christ is in the lineage of Abraham. We celebrate the Messiah because of their obedience. And so to this church family, I simply want to ask, how are you doing in your level of obedience to the Lord? Because the generation that's right behind you is watching. 
those generations that are, if, if you're in your 90s, the people that are right behind you are watching you. I'm watching, I got a guy at work, he's in his 60s, and I've asked him to be my mentor, pastored for many years. He's just a godly man. I'm watching him. John Fain, y'all remember John Fain? He also, we did lunch last year, and y'all, I'm going to tell you something, that man just, he amazes me. The amount of joy and godliness that just oozes out of that man. I watch him. We all need to watch somebody, but know also, Christian, you're being watched. Doesn't matter how young or old, you're being watched if you claim to be following Jesus Christ. And so what if we say no? What if right now you're saying, I don't really care. I'm just trying to make it through this life. Let me tell you, there was a story from the book of Judges that when Moses passed away, you had Joshua. Joshua led. And when Joshua died, one of the worst statements ever said in Scripture was Judges. Chapter 2, verse 10. After Joshua's generation died, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Church family, may that not be said of us. That when we're all gone, at the next generation. Like, I'm just going to pick on the, the, the students that I had, like Allie and Johnny and some others that are in this room. Like, when we're gone, it's on y'all. Matter of fact, guess what? It's already on y'all. Because there's people right behind y'all who are watching. And so that's how this thing is set up. God wants us all to do our part in ushering in the gospel, in our families, in our community for the sake of furthering the kingdom of God. Amen? So church family, don't think you have to be an Abraham. Don't think if you say yes to God, you're going to birth a kid at 90 and 100. But there's something that God has prepared just for you to do. He has given you influence. He's given you gifts, abilities, and he's given you most of all his grace and his love. And he's called every single one of us to accept his grace and love and then to use every resource we have to share the gospel. So let's pray today. <laughs> Heavenly Father, God, we praise you for your grace. We praise you for your Son. Jesus, we love you. And I lift up this church to you today. That you continue to call people through all the stuff that they're facing right now. They would just simply fall in love with you. They would accept your grace. They would accept your love. And those who are following you would follow deeper today than they did yesterday. And so God, as a result, we just simply ask that because of the birth of Christ and because of his resurrection, that we would be found faithful following you today. And we praise you, and it's in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen and amen. So church family, before we have our time of invitation, I just want to point out again, our challenge today is simply to obey, to repent of anything that would hinder God's plan from taking place in your life today as a result of hearing the word of God, or even in this church Today, this church, I know, I've heard some, some folks talking about that you've seen some faces here that you've not seen in a while. And I think that in a time of transition for a church, any church, 
Time of transition is a great time to process where are we spiritually, individually first, and where are we as a church as we prepare for the next season of ministry. And so this morning, I'm just going to simply ask, before your, your church moves into a new season of ministry, it's on the members of the church first to make sure that we individuals are walking holy in the Lord's presence. So, and I also want to throw this out there too, because this, is, this one's for free. Y'all can't fire me because I'm just going to go to the house. The call to ministry, the call to ministry is usually reserved for a lot of young people. We throw that out at youth conferences and D-Now weekends and things like that. But what I see in Scripture were senior adults who were called into ministry to give up everything, to just honor the Lord with everything that they had. And maybe that's you. Age, God doesn't care about age. God is not affected by time. And if you know that God has been pulling you deeper and deeper into service with Him, maybe it's time for you to surrender to a call to ministry, no matter the age. All right, that one was for free. But this morning, as we stand together, as we get ready for our time of invitation, you obey the Lord. We'll be down front. I'm not looking in the balcony. But y'all come down. If you want to pray this morning, you come and pray. We'll be glad to, to pray with you, talk with you, counsel with you.